we know the McLaughlin family uh, has a a good connection to racing through a certain family member who we see on our TV screens a lot. But his his brother Gil, of course, um, is the semi outgoing uh, boss of the AFL, and uh, he was good mates with Tony McInerney, who uh, this our the great RSN hope in the in the Phoenix tonight is named after uh, the late Tony McInerney, who Gil McLaughlin had obviously a lot of history through for the AFL, and Gil's actually on the line now to to have a bit of a chinwag about life in general, but also uh, draw the connection between the, the greyhound who represents RSN tonight and his former mate, Tony McInerney. Uh, Gil, how are you? Morning, all. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, Phoenix night tonight. It'll be a, a special one for, for, for a lot of people, including yourself, if a, a greyhound called McInerney can win from the outside box. Yeah, named after... Um, I think it was bred by Noel Muggman, certainly owned by Noel Muggman and others, and uh, named after a, a sort of a legend of the... University Blues Football Club, Tony McInerney, and he was, he was. I mean, the, the, I don't. I mean, it's probably a bit much detail, but the the, the links here go beyond beyond all that. The Phoenix is the sort of symbol, the crest of the of the Melbourne University Football Club. So it's a sort of a feels like a bit of an omen omen there. But Tony was a um, just a one of those great uh, people, men who who gave huge service and contribution to to to, to the football club. That's where I knew him. But he was a He's a, sort of a, a mentor and a role model to young men. He'd, he'd get you out of trouble, but he probably got you into a bit as well. And he was he was a racing he was a racing uh, guy as well as beyond the football club. And he um he wasn't a very lucky owner. He had a horse uh, he's, for his first Metropolitan winner horse kicked I can't remember his name kicked three lengths clear at Sandown one day and got hit by a flock of seagulls and knocked over. Oh, <laughs> that was Seagull Gate. We remember that. <laughs> yeah, well, he was the owner of that. He um. He used to celebrate success. He had a horse called the Young Bloke at Stall and apparently broke the record for uh, standard drinks and pots, free dr- free drinks between races at Stall. Uh, they said he was memorable for that. He w- he was just a, a beautiful person who 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 was president, vice president, committee man, and then um, you know in the last ten years he was he ran the canteen and he was called Sausages McInerney. He cooked the sausages every night after training and he was revered. Gil, he sounds like that type of person that's just the backbone of a sporting club and um, what you've just told us now, it seems absolutely fitting that McInerney is representing us tonight, RSN, and also, like you mentioned, the Phoenix Crest. So I know Noel Muggerman said if ever he had a good dog, he would call it McInerney. So it just seems like um, we might need one or two more stars to align, but it really seems like it might be on that trajectory tonight. He, he feels like he, he represents a lot of your listeners, men and women across the country, like you know, like a pun, like having fun, but a real community contributes and give to give to their the lifeblood of the, the football and netball clubs across the country, and he was one of those. So it, it feels pretty good to me tonight. I saw the prize; he's, he's twenty to one, isn't he? Thirty-three to one. Thirty-three to one. We like that. Um, if you're looking, if you, if you believe in omens, McInerney in the Phoenix is one. Well, let, let's hope so, and um, Box 8 might make it a little bit hard for him tonight, but um, so many things can happen in greyhound racing, and um, there's one thing in his favour, and that is he only has one dog next to him um, drawn in the outside box, and we are going to hear from his trainer, Brendan Purcell, shortly. Um, he will give us the reasons behind choosing Box 8 for McInerney and give us the last word on how he thinks his chances are going into the Phoenix tonight. And Gillen, are you, is it something that you've become interested in? Are you interested in greyhound racing or has this sort of prompted you to perhaps take a little bit more notice? I tell you notice this, Doug. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be very transparent. I love uh, the thoroughbreds. I've 
I've had dogs before. I um, with a guy called Jeff Slattery. We bought a dog out of Ireland called. Um, I remember in a second. It was in in thoroughbred terms. It was like a two million dollar colt. I think we paid about. It was a, it was it came with a lot of hype. It didn't live up to that. Um, but uh, I, I, I like uh, like all racing. But uh, I, I spend more time on the thoroughbreds. I admit that. Gillen, uh, it's Dan here. The connection with the Greyhound McInerney, were you aware of the process and the naming uh, after uh, Tony, the, the Greyhound McInerney? And, and, and at what stage did you find out it was named after him? Uh, a while ago. I didn't know. Uh, not at the start. And then um, I sort of got a bit of traction when he won that good race. And then I've spoken to Noel Markovan about it. And um, so, uh, you know, I, I think when people... Um, uh, when people make contributions like like Tony, it, it feels pretty fitting that it, that it's come together in a in a greyhound that's actually running for what's the race worth tonight? One point six. Yeah, million dollars. Just cash down the back of the couch, Gil. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah well. Hey, you know who won that? You know who won the Sandown race? Dacos. Is that right? Dacos was the name of the horse. What was yeah. the horse that hit the front and then fell over? It was called Wise something or why? Got whacked in the head by a, a gull. Um, yeah, no, I don't remember, but Shawnee well, Cosgrove's Tony here. Who... Tony McEnany owned that horse. Oh, okay. Good. Well, we'll do some Googling in the ad break. Hey, <laughs> while we've got you, I can't uh, use uh, um, not have this opportunity to ask you about something a bit more broad, re footy and racing. And in racing at the moment, there's a, there's a bit of a push administratively to um, buy into the inverted commas vacant space of uh, later November and December to, to put a gap between racing and footy to get into the better weather. And so on. Just from a, a footy point of view, is has it seen by the AFL that racing does needs to de- need to detach itself from the AFL season to to maximise its time in the sun, or is there some sort of piggybacking that, that benefits racing when there is that bit of crossover that goes on between the end of the AFL and the end of September and the quick transition into racing, and then there's also uh, trade week and all that sort of thing. Does, does racing necessarily need to? further distance itself from the AFL, from the, you know, they both capture the sporting imaginations to, to maximise itself, or can it actually work in reverse a little bit in your mind? Um, listen, I'm very conscious of anything I might say might be, seem to be um, critical. I think that, that racing is very well administered, and, and so anything I say out there is more talking generally. I, do, I think at times you are looking for, for clean air, but also I think... You know the, the the momentum generators we come out of football into that clean air gives gives racing a toe in. So I've never thought that the racing needs to go back further. Um, I think that you can see the upside of of changing schedules, which I know they've looked at. I mean, I think now final day with the movement of the McKinnon and the changing of that, even that construct of the of the Flemington week, uh, it feels like it's changed momentum by making a, a couple of decisions to change stuff. So I think the theory of discussing how do you how do you maximise schedule is an important one because in football we do that all the time, trying to get as, juice, get as much juice as we can out of the schedule. But I don't think you need to avoid competition. I, I think you look at yourself and work out what's the best uh, work for your code. And I don't think you need to, to run away from us or anything else. I really, I really don't. I mean, football people are mostly racing people as well. It's more making the schedule, optimising it. And I know racing is looking at that all the time. Uh, Gil, um, this is your farewell year. In fact, you've had the farewell that even John Farnham would be proud of. I think it was about yeah. April, wasn't it? You announced your resignation. But w- yeah, when are you, uh, are you finishing up? Year. Sorry. Oh, okay. When are you finishing up, or have you got news to tell us? No, no, no. I'm going to round five. I, 
I was going to be leaving at the end of the year. There's just a few things have come up with a few loose ends. And I didn't, um, you know, I was talking to my chairman all the time, and I feel need to just clean a couple of these things up that came up late in the year. And uh, I'm leaving round five, which is gather round in Adelaide. Um, I'll leave that weekend. Gillan, I'm going to go completely off track here, though. But um, just to mention about your mum, she's just such an astute equestrian and has been for many, many years. And um, is she disappointed that the boys didn't take up the dressage? But I don't know. She, I think uh, she's certainly still keen. I think she's, um, you know, she's into her seventies now. Still thinks she's going to the Olympics in twenty-four. <laughs> uh, um, no, she's uh, she's dedicated her life to the horses. She's actually breeding a few at the moment, few few race horses. She actually had her trainer's license. You know, she won a, won a couple of races. So she's just loved horses. Obviously, the dressage has been a big part of her late life, but she's been uh, involved in every sort of type of horse sport her whole life, and she's. Truly passionate woman with horses, no doubt about that. Is she a six footer, your mum? Because you boys are very tall. Is your mum a tall woman? She's six feet tall, yeah. Six footer. My father yeah. used to be six three. He's about five ten now. He's shrunk, <laughs> but she's still holding a line. But My she's... old man used to be the ruckman for old parade, and now he's about five foot two. Uh, yeah. My well, I actually, I came back last night to. Um, I'm actually in South Australia this morning. I've got a thing back here. I've come back to the family farm. My, my youngest brother's taken up the farm. I arrived with my kids, and there's a. You know those those cupboards with the with the circuit board behind it where we were all measured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got we've all they measured from when you were, you know we all grew up here. Um, so I measured my kids with a bit of rite of passage. I looked at my sort of peak height, and then my father's peak height was in about 1991, and then he started measuring himself on the way down. He dropped five inches. So <laughs> Why would you measure yourself on the way top. down? <laughs> well, because because now we sort of pat him on the head. He used to be a big man, and now he sort of. He, used to, he, 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 could, he could ride it in a jump track. Yeah, no, it's quite tragic when you start marking the decline on the, oh, on, the, on, the, on, the on the headboard. <laughs> hey, uh, Gil, good on you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for telling us a bit about uh, Tony McInerney. And uh, I know you'll have uh, a little oh, something each way at the odds tonight. I think it's essential in the Phoenix. Anyway, I hope, it, I hope the dog runs well. Thanks for having time.